Rule the day the plant-based way with the new vegan mixed berry from Smoothie King. Powered by whole, non-GMO fruits, oat milk, and vegan protein, it's a dairy-free, plant-based smoothie you can feel great about. With 13 grams of protein and half your daily fiber, it's an easy way to get the essential nutrients your body craves. Skip the line and order online for pickup or delivery. Smoothie King. Rule the day. Well, Michael, now you're on the podcast. All right. So I wanted to take this time and personally welcome you to Aaron's show and say that I really, really appreciate your patience. We've been we've been waiting for a while. We've been trying to get this done, and I'm so glad that today I figured this out and we can get this right going. So, Michael, why don't you start out um, by basically, and I, I want you to really tell a story of basically your life. So we can record for as much time as we need, about 55 minutes, but we can do other sessions until we get all of this, all of your story told the way you want to tell it. So why don't you start out and basically, you know, introduce yourself to the audience and basically uh, tell us from, uh, from the beginning, basically the beginning of your life, uh, your childhood and kind of slowly meander through it and walk us through it. And I'll ask interesting questions along the way. Go. All right. Oh, My name is Michael Munn, and I was uh, born and raised in China for 14 years. And, you know, it's a, China is a country that is, that has been through many historic uh, events, and it's like 5,000 years old. And I came to the U.S. when I was like 14 years old. That's a great uh, transition for me at that point. And while I was in China, <coughs> I actually learned how to read and write in Braille, and I didn't go to school until I was like eight years old. So I had a late start on my uh, school experience. And when I turned 11, I was honored to go to the School for the Blind, the Beijing School for the Blind, which is the top-rated uh, school in one of the top-rated school in China, <coughs> where they have like 200 plus students there, <coughs> and and in 2014, my dad's station is up in uh, working at military, at you know uh, Department of Defense in China. So I moved to U.S. and I am currently living in Fairville, Virginia, with <coughs> with a bunch of farm animals uh, in a seven-acre farm. So that's about my, my uh, story. Excellent. Good. Well, really good. I, I, I adore animals, by the way. I love animals with all my heart. What what animals do you have on your farm? Oh, on my farm, we have like uh, two horses, one mule. Which, um, mule is a uh, animal that's mixed between a horse and a donkey. Right. And, and we have sheep. A lot of mm. sheep, goats, and four cat and three dogs. Wonderful, wonderful, excellent, cool, cool. Well, that's wonderful. 
Um, so can you go back and tell our listeners something? When when was the first time in your life that you realized that you could not see and that you realized that you are blind? When was the first oh. time you kind of realized it? I kind of was uh, born uh, naturally blind. Right. I, yeah. But you see, I suppose the question that I'm digging at here is can you tell us when was the first time that you understood that you are blind? Oh, when I was in China uh, at a orphanage, and they keep uh, <clears throat> asking, hey, uh, they keep, you know, waving their hand at me. And I just, you know, they said, hey, can you see what's in front of my hand? And I just said, oh, no, I can't, you know. And that's the point that, you know, they called me uh, blind. <laughs> There is in China. There is an, a very offensive word for blind when you, when you actually have this disability. So I I see I see. So yeah, and this is this is a really interesting and a very saddening fact. But I I think that you know our listeners would need to be educated and need need to know about this. So you know if if you do not mind, I mean, what can you tell us about? Um, the reality of being blind in China, the prospects in life, the attitude, the whole, you know, the, the, the reality of being blind in China. What can you tell us? In China, if a person is blind, then the sighted world thinks that, you know, it must have been a curse from God, uh, that, you know, it must have been a crime that you committed in your previous uh, life. So God is punishing you. Uh, this way, mm-hmm. and you have to live with that. And right. people who are blind in China have no right to speak up because you know they are considered <clears throat> second-class citizens. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. So often, I I really love that answer, Michael. Very very well done. You know, oftentimes a lot of people in the NFB, and for our listeners. Let me just tell you, listeners, that's the National Federation of the Blind. And a lot of times, Michael, as you've probably heard, the NFP always says, we're we're sick and tired of being treated like second class citizens here in America. What how what what do you think about that? Um, Do you think there's any validity, meaning any uh, uh, do, do you do you feel that in all honesty, American people who are blind, do you think us Americans are blind are are we really treated as second class citizens i'm i'm asking because it is sort of a rhetorical question in your case in 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 your your like how you grew up and everything in china but i'm asking for kind of your opinion do you do you still think that even in america blind people are treated as second class citizens what do you think it really depends on where you at it's a really good answer how you're dealing with you know it Outstanding. Outstanding yeah. response. It's really a matter of how you are dealing with it. Exactly. That, my, Michael, that was perfect. So it's really a matter on how the blind person perceives the society around them, basically. Yes. I see. Yeah. I see. But as a whole, though, looking at it from a bird's eye view, looking at it from the perspective of both society, American society here in the United States, and the American people who are blind here in the United States, do you still feel like we are treated differently than sighted people in the United States? What do you think? 
Uh, that's better than China. Okay. Yeah. Right. And uh, right. And I agree. So I, I was only asking you, Michael, so that you could educate the listeners. Of course, I had to clarify. Of course, I, obviously, that's obvious information to me. But I think that one of the things that you have to you have probably noticed this in your life here in the States, but Americans do not always have a lot of knowledge about China and anything that we do know about China is oftentimes not true. Um, so I appreciate you clarifying that fact for us that in China, there's a huge difference in growing yes. up in China than, than in America. So, so do you, so you, you definitely feel the difference. You do, do you feel, do you feel different um, in now that you're living, been living in the States for a few years? Do you feel a sense of difference as, as a whole? Right. Uh, actually, I uh, feel way different because uh, in China, that people can basically, when you can basically make fun of your disability in public, and in the United States, they're not allowed to do that. But they do, though. No, no, but in the United States, I, I, I respectfully disagree a little because I feel that in the United States, I feel like I have been made fun of in public places before. And I think people in America have been disrespectful to me because of my blindness. Perhaps certainly not in the same way that they would be in China. Absolutely not. There's a huge difference, as you're telling us. But I still feel yeah. like people are still ignorant and still grossly disrespectful in the United States. It's not the same as what you're saying it is in China, and I, I agree with you, but I still think there's a problem in the United States for sure. Hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 So another interesting thing that I want to learn more, more about, and our listeners want to learn more about, is what's this school for the blind business? So, guys, you know, um, a lot of times in, in America and in China, but in a lot of countries around the world, when you're blind, you are sent to a school for the blind. I was never sent to one. I was sent to a public school in the United States my entire life. I'm not terribly knowledgeable about what goes on in schools for the blind. So, Michael, can you tell us about that? Can you tell us <clears throat> about the school for the blind in Beijing? Tell us all about it. Oh, the Beijing School for, for the Blind, actually. Yes, yes. Uh, the Beijing School of, for the Blind. Yeah, the Beijing School for the Blind is one of the top-rated schools in the United States. Shanghai School for the Blind and Guangzhou School for the Blind and Nanjing. So these schools actually have better funding, so, you know, they get better resources. And in that school, we learn almost all the same curriculum as the cited, uh, mm -hmm. as the public students, in, you know, near us. And <clears throat> except... All the curriculums are uh, modified to fit our needs. Mm. Okay, well, good. Um, so I'll tell you that on a on a personal level, I I do not know much about China. So can you tell me? Can you tell Aaron Show and our listeners? So what do children learn in China? Um, just based on your memory, you know, if if a child walks into a classroom and you're eight years old, and the teacher tells you to sit down, what, what, what would you know about the world, and, and what, what would you be taught in, in, a school, in, an, in your average school day in China? Oh, they taught uh, things that's, you know, uh, way harder than uh, American students learn. Like, in, for your first grade, you are expected to know all the math, the base, all the basic math. 
for your uh, first mm-hmm. uh, and second and third grade. You're allowed. You are expected to master uh, for mathematics. You are allowed to. You are required to master all the basic math. And for your fourth grade, for fifth, fourth and fifth and sixth grade, that mm-hmm. you you know the student begin to enter inter, uh, intermediate math. And up until middle school and high school, they learn advanced math. And for Chinese, like when you, for characters, you're, you know, China is a character uh, language. Country. Um, right. Well, man, so, so you can say Mandarin is what we call it in English. So Mandarin, yeah. well, it's not a, it's a language that is, that you use characters to express the written thought. Right. Yeah. And, you know, students are required to master the 2,000 common characters with uh, before they enter middle school. Right. So, how how do children how do children go about doing that? How do you master the characters? Uh, for sighted people, uh, not us blind people, we we have a Chinese in China. We have a separate growth code for us. But for sighted people, they just you know read and read or use an alternative to help them memorize called pinyin, which is similar to, uh, which basically spell the characters in English letters. Mm-hmm. So I, I see. Good, good. And um, that's really interesting. So then how did you learn the characters? How do they teach oh. the blind people to learn them? Mm-hmm. They taught blind people Braille in the school for the, for the blind. And like I said, the first grade, you are required for the, yeah, first grade, first semester, you have to uh, know all the 55 uh, Chinese, you know, uh, similar to Pinyin, but it's uh, mixed, the characters and the Pinyins. So you're required to master that. And for the second semester of the first grade, the student begins to learn uh, to read text in Braille until uh, middle school, where they learn more advanced math and mm-hmm. yeah, Mandarin. Good, good. So, um, so today, um, if you meet Chinese people today, do you still keep up with your spoken Mandarin skills? Do you still speak oh. it today? Yes, I have my uh, Mandarin skills uh, or maintained. Since 2014. Good, good. Hmm. So, but um, do you still do you still feel like you need to take uh, Mandarin lessons today, or or are you still able to speak your your native language perfectly? I'm still able to speak my uh, native language without any trouble. Good, good. That's great. That's that really fascinates me, you know, as a teacher, because usually what happens actually is when people move to a new country, your brain never forgets the first language, but it kind of stops. It kind of um, gets kind of folded away in a folder inside your brain, and you have to kind of pull it up again slowly. So you kind of do lose it over time if you don't constantly maintain it. So that's 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 really interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so are you, do you network with other Chinese people? Are you in any like 
groups on social media where you can just have conversations just to maintain your language? Do, do you do that often? Yes, I have some friends that I uh, that I contact uh, over this this software called WeChat. Ah, indeed. Okay, so then, so good. So then, that, that's really good because WeChat is is a Chinese company. Um, is it similar to Twitter? Is it? It's like the combination of Twitter and Facebook, right? Oh, it's a combination between Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, WhatsApp, and FaceTime. Okay. So it's the everything. It's yes. everything you could ever want. <laughs> yes. And including they added in that app, they have like where you can uh, pay other people. Well, th- well, then it's perfect, right? If you can yeah. take someone else's money, I- I- I'll download that thing. <laughs> that's great, man. That's great if you can take people's money. That's a good app to have. Okay. That you can, you know, pay using that app without bringing your credit cool. card. Yeah. yeah, that's that's a common push now. In in Europe, a lot of people use Apple Pay for these yes. for these types of things. Yeah, that's it's it's a big push. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's cool. That's that's really good, Michael. That's that will serve you very well in in your life to maintain uh, your L one like that. That's really that really interests me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Good. Um. Okay. So. At the School for the Blind, you know, we have that you learn these subjects. Um, what about, uh, what about, um, besides the subjects, what other types of skills did they either encourage you to learn or, or that they taught you at the School for the Blind? What do you think? They have a bunch of elective classes that a student can take, such as mm-hmm. learn how to write on a brailler. You know, in China, it's not everyone had a Perkins. That machine is like a sacred. So we learn how to type on a uh, or braille on a on a person's brailler and how to play chess. And mm. they also have, they have a good music program where I learn how to play the Chinese flute. Ah, now you know that for many years of my life I played the European flute, a silver a silver flute for a very long time. I played that too. Oh, real good, good. Mhm mhm very nice. Can you can you play the uh the national anthem of China on the flute? Yes. Uh yes. Oh good. Good. That's very very good. Our our last guest on on the show um was a woman from Jamaica and she sung the Jamaican national anthem. So I know I know I did not prepare you for this one but if you had your flute out, I would want you to play the Chinese an-, an anthem, or I would want you to play the song on the Chinese flute. That that fascinates me. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's wonderful. That's that's really good. Really good. But now let's let's kind of get a little bit more serious and talk about some things that are slightly more controversial. So I, I think you mentioned it before that the that the school for the blind there. Um, they focus, they focus some of their attention on training people how to be, to be a, a, a masseuse. Can you tell me more about that? And can you tell me what your opinion is about that? <clears throat> hmm. Yes. Oh, okay. Uh, oh, okay. Well, no, no. And by, but, oh, by the way, if, if 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 you do not want to answer, you don't you don't have to answer that question if you if you don't want to. It, it's okay. Um, 
Uh, let's see. Um, okay. So what other things did you do? Um, what other experiences did, did you have, uh, you know, at, at the School for the Blind? Oh, at the School for the Blind, you know, mm-hmm. uh, <clears throat> I think that sometimes the students can actually take advantage of each other because I, mm. of course, was from an orphanage and they make fun of me because, you know, they have family and when oh. I, when I do something wrong with, you know, that displeases him, that displeases them, uh, they can actually tell, uh, to their family and their family can get hold of me. But if I did, if they did something wrong to, uh, on me, I have nowhere to complain. So that's one thing that's different. It's very sad. Right. It's incredibly yeah. saddening and incredibly important. Yeah. That's, that's, that's really interesting. Can you give me an, kind of illustrate an example of something that they would complain about though? Oh, Can such you... as, you know, if I, uh, if I borrow one of their possessions and I forgot where did I put them, then they will report that to their family and they will, you know, ask me where the things is at. That's, that is, that is so sad. That is so disgraceful. So they would accuse, so they're, they're obnoxious and disrespectful enough to take advantage of the fact that you grew up in an orphanage. So then they'll accuse you of being a thief, basically. That, that is so, that is so unacceptable. It is so, so disturbingly unacceptable that they would do that. That doesn't surprise me. Um, but I, you know, I've I've observed, and it, it's kind of true, that people in China and people in India and some countries in Asia tend to be very superstitious about certain things. So it's not okay um, when people believe these things and are silly like that. But I've I've noticed this to be somewhat true. Yes, that's that's very 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 concerning. Um, so how would you solve the problem though? Like. So they complain to their parents, but then do the parents ever like call you and like complain, like harass you, or how would it um, uh, manifest itself? Meaning, how would it kind of get resolved? Of course, uh, you know their parents are nice enough to me uh, at first, and if I couldn't find the object, then they they just tell the student that they you know it, it went missing, so they get a new one. Right. And and the 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 sick irony, Michael, in all this is that all of you at that school for the blind are blind. So you know you can only complain so much. If none of if none of you can see, you can only blame so much. You know, I mean yeah. it, it, that's so unacceptable. I mean, yes, of course it's annoying if you lend someone at something and they lose it, but that's not because you're a thief. It's because you're a person. And sometimes people just lose things. I mean, if, wow, it doesn't doesn't surprise me, but that's still mind boggling to me. I mean, it's not by it's not mind boggling to me in a sense, but that's it's really 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 fascinating. Yeah, yeah. Um, so what what types of objects would what types of objects would you borrow? Because in the United States, we're sensitive about borrowing things. So what, what would you borrow in China? 
Oh, like, you know, sometimes I will usually borrow uh, slate and stylus from them. <laughs> and, you know, I couldn't find, you know, I couldn't find it. So they would just, you know, complain to their parents. And, okay. It's a, that's, that's just, dist- that's just, that's just trivial. That's just silly stuff. You know, that's just obnoxious. A, a slate and stylus thing that can fit in your pocket that literally costs like, I don't know, a couple bucks, just buy a new one and forget about it. It's so easy. Who cares? I mean, I thought, I thought they, I thought you were, bar, they were borrowing something of importance. You know, that's just weird, man. That's, that's, that's strange. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that is very strange. You know, I, I does does it seem now that you're living in America, does it seem inappropriate and seem strange to you now, even stranger now that you're living in America? And if I lose something in America, I would I would try my best to find them because you know I still have that uh, instinct on me that if I lose the things, then that is a way, you yeah. know. Yeah. Big deal. That's it. That's interesting. That's it. so. It's still so. It still impacted you. So you still feel that guilt. So the yeah. guilt of loss would would overwhelm you. That's that is really fascinating. Mm. Wow. Wow. Well, that's um. So yeah. So what about like in, in the school for the blind? Um. What if a student like misbehaved or did something bad? <laughs> like, is there are is there discipline at the school for the blind? Oh yes, discipline is that if you are uh, be, if you misbehave, they don't uh, do corporal punishment uh, on students. They will they use alternative methods such as you know uh, compensate you know uh, items that's important to you such as your phone or uh, you know your computers. Right, right, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. They will have lunch lunch de- uh, detentions. But, you know, when you don't do your homework, a student will, you know, the teacher will ask the student to uh, extend it a couple minutes and talk to the teacher until the, the lunch is halfway over. And right. we go into the cafeteria and sometimes they can find hardly anything to eat but, you know, uh, soup. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what I would expect. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's strange. That's strange. And um, that's all, all very, all very informative and all very interesting. And um, at the, um, in, in, in the cafeteria, or actually a better question is, so how is this school for the blind, like laid out? Like, is it like a campus, <clears throat> like a university with like, dorms to live in or is it like apartment buildings like what 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 does it look like oh that that school for the blind was built in 1874 by a missionary in uh from scotland and it was a school that's uh, built in european style and it's like a regular for the blind in america where they have a dorm and three uh instructional buildings building and mm. one cafeteria so in, you know today um, about how many students do you still think are are attending there last time 
uh, I know that there were 400 students. Oh, only <clears throat> 400? Yes. Oh, wow. Okay, that's an awfully no low number. Huh. That's not what I was expecting. That's even smaller than my high school. Okay. Mm. Yeah. I see. I see. Hmm. So, um, at the School for the Blind, um, who was your did, – did you have a favorite teacher? Oh, yes. Uh, my favorite teacher was actually my uh, flute teacher. Ah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah. You know, we, we – he taught me a lot of uh, skills on that flute. I see. Very good. And and do you still keep in touch with him today? No, because I uh, I when I um, you know plan to leave the state uh, to you know the China and go to the state, and I was too busy packing, and you know, I missed my flute lesson that day. So <laughs> I'm. So you could have come to the, so you could have gotten to the United States and, and we chatted the guy and say, Oh, hi, Mr. So-and-so. So sorry. I didn't say goodbye to you. I missed our lesson because I was packing. Yes. You know, that was, I found that very <laughs> hilarious. Uh, yeah. Write this down. <laughs> oh man, that 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 is that is uh, that is just hysterical. I mean, Michael, you you, you could wait. I'm sure the guy is on WeChat. I mean, you know, I, I'm positive he is. You should WeChat him, really, and say, "Oh, sorry, I was packing." <laughs> yeah, I should. <laughs> Oh my God! Oh, that's okay. That's material that we're looking for on this show. That's that's that is just bizarre. <laughs> oh God! Oh God! I, I I was gonna ask you what 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 was the funniest thing that a teacher ever said to you at the school for the blind, but. Your story of missing your last flute lesson was way was way better. So, okay, I'll still I'll still ask you, what 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 was something funny that a teacher did in 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 China or, you know, um, did a teacher ever say like a joke or something? Did did, did they ever do something funny that like the students laughed? Did did they ever do that in China? No, you know the teachers are too serious when they really get into teaching. Right, right. But even even when they're serious, occasionally I I would imagine that because people are people, I would imagine that they say something kind of amusing or kind of funny, you know, at, at the same time, you know, did they yeah. um, when when you were you know taking these classes? I mean, this this just fascinates me, Michael, when you were taking these classes at at, at the school at the school. At the school for the blind, um, 
Uh, what, what was I going to say? When you were taking the classes, um, hmm, totally lost my question. Totally lost my train of thought. Hmm. What was the most, that was odd. Uh, what was the most, what was the most unusual thing that, um, oh, I, I got it. Um, in China, did, did the teachers ever tell you about their own lives, about, uh, you know, where they grew up, you know, who they are, uh, where they're from in China? Did, did they ever share that with you? Oh, yes. You know. Oh, they did. Oh, that, that's interesting. Uh, yeah, that, you know, one day I forgot my money to uh, buy sure. a meal card to get uh, <coughs> food from the cafeteria. And one of my main teachers got hold of me because a student recorded that, you know, I have not been eating for, you know, three square meals already. And the teacher got on to me and says, hey, why aren't you eating? And I said, oh, I forgot my <laughs> meal card. And, and you know, and she asked, why aren't you uh, borrowing and then return and, and pay back? And I just said, you know, I, you know, don't, I don't like to borrow money. And she said, you know, I was from a village. And when I, when I attend college, I relied on my relative to lend me money and help, how do I pay back? I do that when, you know, I pay back when I work. Excellent. So that, so that, that was a really good answer. So that, that was a really good life lesson that that's, it's not funny. But it's a really good life lesson that that person taught you. That it's a really valuable lesson. That sometimes you have to ask for help in life. Yeah, and she also said that you know, money is that important. You know, it is important, but you know, you can't keep it forever. So you know, if you got to borrow money, then you borrow it. Right. That's true. That's a really good. It's a really, really good life lesson, Michael. I completely agree with that lesson. That sometimes. Once in your life or once in a great, great while, sometimes you do have to ask, hey, I, I need help, man. Sometimes you do have to say that. And, and they taught you that skill. That's really good. That's really good. Cool. Cool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated by these. You know, I might be asking too. I might be asking silly questions, but I'm, I'm just really fascinated by it. So when you go and eat a meal in the cafeteria, what, what, what would they give you for food? What, what, what was in, what, what was your average breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Oh, see, I was. Uh, so you can eat like unlimited of meal, but usually their uh, parents, when they put money in the car, they set budget that you can eat for uh, this week. So for breakfast, I usually Chinese version of uh, pancake, which is uh, I don't know how you. It's similar to naan. Is it similar to? Are you saying it's similar to naan bread? Yes. That, with, okay, uh, I know. Yeah, that I egg. know. Okay, so yeah, it's a with bread. Scrum, yeah, with yeah with a with scrambled egg in the middle mm. and uh, soy milk. For breakfast and for lunch, I eat like uh, rice mixed in, mixed with veg, veggie and meat. Mm. And for supper, I eat the same thing, except different type of uh, rice, <clears throat> you know, veggies. So I was, you know, for a day I usually can eat uh, like five 
uh, Chinese yuan. Mm. I see. I see. So what, what, what was your impression? I mean, these other blind children at the school, these other blind guys at the school, did they just, you know, were their parents just giving them things a lot? Were they being given money? Were they like carrying around a lot of money a lot? I mean, no, so, uh, <clears throat> before they, uh, enrolling the school for the blind, they're issued a meal card and, you know, a, a card that you can use in libraries and stuff like that. But they put money in that card so you can, you know, get food from the store and, mm-hmm. you know, food from the, mm-hmm. you know, windows where they serve food. I see. I see. Interesting. And um, what would you like? What, what would they serve for drink? Would they give just tea and tea and coffee and water and stuff like that? What, what, what would they give to, to drink? They usually have a uh, they have some bottle drinks, but most people choose to drink the soup that they provide for free from a big uh, copper pot. That's the size of a, you know, pool, a swimming pool, except it's like uh <clears throat> you know, much uh, round instead of wide. I see. I see. So they would drink like a broth is what it was, yeah. a broth. Yes, a broth with uh, egg drop in it, similar to the egg drop soup. Okay. So either you would have to have the money for the bottled drink or you could just sort of sip the broth. Yeah. Mm, I see. I see. What about like um what, what about like a, a bottle of water? Could could you find that? Yeah, but uh yes, that bottle of water costs only like one Chinese yuan or R and B. But some people mm-hmm. still choose to or me, I don't know about some people, but I still choose uh prefer drink the broth because you know, if you can actually mix the broth with rice and you get the, you know, salted flavor. Mm. And the egg drop in it. I see. I see. Mm-hmm. Good. Good. <clears throat> so, how? Tell us now about the the day that you discovered that you would be moving to the United States. How did that come about? The uh, at April. I I still remember the date. Was like. Let me see. Uh, It was like uh, <clears throat> around April, the day, uh, April 16th, which is a Tuesday, uh, around that 15th and six or 16th. I was like doing my regular stuff, my routine, until, uh, and then I was called to an office. And I, you know, usually in China, when you got called to, a, to, you know, speak individually by a teacher or some uh, some kind of that sort, that means you're in yeah. trouble. Oh, and I, in the I United, like, in the United States too. Any time that you grew up in the states, in my generation, in, in in the 90s, and if you came home from school and your parents said Miss Smith called, it was never good. They only called when you did something bad or when something bad was happening. 
Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, that's the same same uh, problem that I faced, mm-hmm. where I got called and speak into individually, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, I'm in trouble." <laughs> so you know, I followed that you know the person who, you know, uh, delivered the message uh, to me and to the area where they have a lot of couches, and said, "You know, you are soon to be moved to the state." And tomorrow you are going to your uh, first place, which is, uh, you know, three hours away from the, uh, the Be- from Beijing and get your passport. And, you know, that then at that point, I was like, oh, that's, you know, not bad. I'm glad that I'm not in trouble <laughs> so far. That was even better than the than the flute teacher story. Oh my God, that's Michael. You you go about life in in just a hilarious way, in a very endearing and a very hilarious way. I I I see now. Okay, what was your emotion when when you kind of started to realize in your mind? Wait a minute, you know, I'm going to get to be an American. I'm going to get to live in the United States. What, what what was going through what what was going through your mind when you came to that discovery? I was like, uh, I I did not do what other people did. Like they usually shock and couldn't speak for a couple of minutes. But mm-hmm. I I just you know very calm because I know a lot of friends who moved to the state and had a better life than than what they had when they're in China. So okay. I, yeah, I did not, uh, <clears throat> you know, I wasn't in a stuck and I was like very glad that I heard this very out, you know, outstanding news for me. Hmm. I see. I see. That's, that, that's, that's interesting, huh? So you were just overwhelmed with a sense of calm, a sense of, of resolution, I guess. Yeah. Huh. Know, really have, fascinating. Yeah, I have a lot of friends who moved to America from China and they right. end up having a, a pretty good life. <clears throat> right, right. Yeah, yeah. So let's backtrack a little. So in your contacts in China, um I mean surely, you know, you are very blessed and very lucky to have the opportunity to live in the United States now, but surely there are other blind people in China who have to live in China their whole life. So what do you suppose, and tell our listeners, what do you suppose they end up doing with their life, you know, after the school for the blind? What what, what would the options have been or, or are? Well, what do you think? The, those blind people, if they go to the school for the blind and receive career training. They, the, pos- the possible job that they can take is piano tuner and mas- a massage therapist. Right. For, 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 for those right. people who did not receive training, then their life either going to be in a beggar or, you know, they're, if they're, or their family have to support them for the rest of their life. Right, right. 
I see. I see. So now let, let me ask you. So let's say, for example, that you're blind and you're in China and you do complete the training to be a piano tuner. Do, do you think they actually pay you? I mean, do you think they really help the person to get that job and really do you think they really pay the blind people if, if they if they do that job? So if, uh, they would pay them, but like very little amount of money. Okay. Minimum wage. Well, so kind of no is kind of the answer. It's almost no. Yeah. They they pay you, but not not enough to right. uh, live live on. Not enough to right. So either so so basically, regardless or or either way, you would still be you would still have to live with a family member your your whole life probably. Yeah. Yeah. I see. I see. Yeah. That's, yeah. I know. It, in, in in China, is there any um, is there any social security system to to your knowledge? No, nothing I'm aware of, unfortunately. Really? Yeah. So they don't. China, the, I mean, China, China has a rich history, as you've told us, with the country that had the first civil service exam ever was in China. So they've had a civil service since the 1300s. I'm and probably longer than that, but I'm surprised that they don't have any social security. No, they don't that, have. That's strange, huh? Yeah, people who are uh, who have they have something equivalent to the to social security that uh, the Chinese that that this people with disability have to apply right. and that be approved, and it takes a long time to get that uh, you know request approved. I see. I see. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Wow. Um, well, that that is interesting. So, where so where was your hometown? Do you, do you know where you were born? And, and and do you want to tell us? Oh, I was born in a uh, province called Hebei, which is uh, where it's like six hours of, uh, off of Beijing, north. And I was born in a city called Chengde, which uh, which is like six hours, and is where a lot of you know, a place that has a lot of grace, and one of uh, one of the emperor or the Qing Dynasty emperor hmm. had their summer palace there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that that, that reminds me at the school for the blind. Um, so, what did you do in the summer? Did I mean it, was it a year-round school, or or were you off in the summer months? We're off uh, two um, two months in the summer and one month in the winter. I see, I see. Mm-hmm. So, and what would you do on on those vacations? See, we're basically on our own. Like uh, people who have families, uh, <clears throat> and you know, stay home for a month or two with their families until September the first. And I'm. <clears throat> I'm I'm like uh, people who are foreign first, so I could basically stay in China with my uh, with my parents until the station is up, and that's how I spend my summers and winters. Mm-hmm. Right. I I see I see. Would would any of those students have been able to um, you know invite you over to their home for a weekend or something? Did, did they ever do that? 
No, they don't do that. Because they live like three, three hours away from the school for the blind. So they, it's a boarding school. So they live there right. like uh, six, uh, six nights. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like from, yeah, Sunday night mm-hmm. till Friday morning. And they mm-hmm. go home Friday afternoon. Right. In, interesting. In, in very, 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 very fascinating. Yeah. <clears throat> hmm. Um. So, so what? What was the process that you had to go through to, um, you know, to come to? So, so you went back to your hometown and and you got your Chinese pat. You got your American passport or Chinese, which. What, what what exactly did did you have to do? That's not really clear. So wh- why did you have to go back to your birthplace? Because uh, I was born in Chengde. That's where uh, my you know in China there's a similar thing called that uh, database called Hukou. That's mm. where my Hukou is at. So I have to go there and get the passport and able to exile China. You know to leave China and go to the state. Right, right. So at this point, were you able to have a United States passport or were you applying to have a China passport? And I am a, uh American citizen. Yes, I know. Yes, of course. Right. But yeah. at, the, at the time, were you applying, when you went to this place, were you applying to have, to get to pick up an American passport or a Chinese one? A Chinese passport to get the visa to go to the state, uh, United States. Ah, okay, okay, got it, got it, got it. So you needed to you needed to get your Chinese passport to get the American visa stamp so that you could go to the United States in the first place. Yes, yes, right. yeah, that's how it works. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Um. So now, now, you know, as I said before, you you do not need to answer this question. Um. When were you when were you introduced uh, to your adoptive uh, family? Oh, like oh, that's a good question. You know, mm-hmm. I I just share that. Uh, <clears throat> it was like April twenty fifth, which is a Friday, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Friday, April twenty fifth, and you know they they both came and. You know, I'll, they came to you know, my uh, going away party and the orphanage sang, uh, you know, song for them and basically played my, you know, progress on the TV like a show. So it was huh. pretty amazing how you know, it's a very big you know, going away party. Right. Huh. Wow. I, I I see. I see. And and um but so how how were you introduced to your adoptive family in the in the States? Oh, like they actually met me in China because I Skyped with them the first uh I Skyped with them uh three hours from nine till twelve and then uh, before they came to Actually, they actually came to China. Huh. Okay. 
So then were you able to speak English with them when you Skyped with them the first time? Yes. Uh, Before I go to the state, I already have my English, like, uh, halfway done, uh, down. Like, I, I'm almost mastered my English. Oh, good. Huh. Okay. And what what was your perception of them when you were Skyping with them? What, what, what did you think of those of, of them? See, I, I was like, I don't know at them questions that I think of, like, because at that point, I was obsessed with technology and so, you know, at that point, it was big news that the Malaysian airline MH370 was like a miscontact or is missing. So I was like, uh, you know, do any of you know Boeing and the black box and or are we going to ride on the Boeing? <laughs> so I was like, that's interesting. <laughs> Is this the first interview you've ever done like this? Because this no. is this is hysterical and fascinating. This is this is this is really it, this is interesting. So, Jay, you didn't so you were more concerned with the airplane that you would be flying on. Well, I was obsessed with technology at that point. You know, I just learned how to how to, in, I, when I was like. I was like uh two months until my birthday, which is like or almost like three weeks to be exact. So three weeks until my birthday. So I was like almost fourteen and I just learned mm-hmm. how to browse the web on a Windows XP <laughs> computer. Right. So when you so obviously right, I agree with you. So the first thing anyone would do when they browse the web is review crash reports and safety reports of Malaysian airliners. That's that's exactly Exactly where you should go on the internet. Of course, right? Right? Obviously. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's, you know, it That's was normal, like March right? 8th when I was, um, mopping the floor that I, that I heard something on TV vaguely about a plane. And at night I was watching my nightly news and I heard that, mm-hmm. you know, the plane went missing in like, uh, five o'clock in the morning, Beijing time. And mm-hmm. like three hours later, they, the plane got canceled because at that point, at five o'clock in the morning, the plane was, uh, disappeared on the radar. And at the Beijing Capital Airport, the display shows that the plane got a little delayed. And. Oh, oh, you know what? Okay. 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 This is, this is starting to circle back to me now. I think the part that you, you slightly omitted from, from this hysterical and, and sad and interesting story, by the way, is that a lot of those passengers on that particular Malaysian plane were, um, were Chinese citizens. Yes. They're, you know, okay. they're Mike, workers. Please, okay. Michael, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Let's, let's stop. Let's stop and pause right there. Hold on for me for just one second. <laughs> Duncan's new wake-up go-tos mean you never have to choose between breakfast meats again. Now you can get a wake-up wrap with bacon and a wake-up wrap with sausage for $3. That's savory and sweet. 
crispy and spicy. It's everything you love about breakfast for $3. Wake up your day with new Wake Up Go-To's. Get two egg and cheese wraps for $2 or mix and match your favorite meats with two bacon, ham, sausage, or turkey sausage wraps for $3. America runs on Dunkin'. Participation may vary. Exclusions apply. Limited time offer. With Metro and the best deal in wireless, whatever your goal, however you hustle, you can rule your day. Get two lines with 5G access included for just $35 a month per line, period. With taxes and regulatory fees always included, so you know exactly how much you pay every month. All on America's largest 5G network at no extra charge. Plus, at Metro, get the latest 5G phones, like a Samsung Galaxy for less than 100 bucks when you switch. That's the best deal in wireless, so you can take control of your day wherever it takes you. Metro by T-Mobile, empowering you to rule your day. Requires auto pay. First month is $40 per line for two lines. Samsung A51 requires port from eligible carrier and ID validation limited to two per account. Coverage not available in some areas. See Metro by T-Mobile.com or store for details.